Happy New Year, everyone. 2024, we are here. Well, as you as you uh, saw in the as you maybe saw in the bulletin this morning, or can perhaps figure out by the fact that I'm up here at the pulpit already, um, we're going to be doing things a little differently today. Um, a little different order of things. Uh, we're going to be focusing on prayer this morning. I I hope you you took the initiative over this past week to. Uh, to join in the uh, the prayer prompts, the prayer times uh, that went out on a daily basis, you know it's always always important for us to, uh, as, as God's church, to be praying. But I think it's especially good to start the new year with with our focus upon God and our proclaiming our reliance upon Him through our praying, and so. So in light of that, we're, we're culminating this week of prayer to begin 2024 with, with a worship service this morning that's going to focus on prayer and incorporate prayer in different ways into our time together this morning. So if you want, you can, you can see in the bulletin or you can see in the sermon notes specifically, our, our time's going to be broken up into five different sections, all, all focusing on five different prayer prompts, and these prompts are, are going to follow the structure of the Lord's Prayer that we find in Matthew chapter 6. Um, so that'll kind of give us some structure for this morning, and uh, what we'll do is, uh, you know, to begin each prompt, I'll, I'll read a passage of scripture, I'll, I'll share some, some thoughts on that, and then we will respond together in, in various ways um, uh, in prayer. And so, uh, Pastor Tim did say that there is going to be children's church this morning. We'll, we'll let the kids know when it's time to dismiss for that, and then they'll come back in, in here toward the end so we can celebrate together Josie's baptism. So, so we're just going to jump right in this morning. Our, our, our first prayer prompt that we have is focused on proclaiming God's glory. And again, this follows the structure of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus begins by stating, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The beginning of that prayer, Jesus is giving glory to God the Father. So really, when you think about it, proclaiming the glory of God is the proper place to begin our praying. There's, and there's numerous passages in the Bible that speak about God's glory. The one that I've chosen this morning is Ephesians chapter 3. And, and if you'd like to follow with me as I read it, uh, it's on page 977 in the Pew Bibles. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. But let's think about proclaiming God's glory as I read through this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul writes, and he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, 
according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So again, there's so many passages in the Bible that speak of God's glory. I I chose this one to start our time this morning because not only does Paul speak of the great glory of God, but, but he also attributes that glory to each person of the Trinity. So while the complete workings of the Trinity continue to stretch our human minds, and and always will, we can at least recognize the great glory of our triune God. We see it through his character, we see it through his work, Paul is proclaiming it here in this passage. And and there's really two quick things that I, I just want to highlight from that passage. First, in verses 14 and 15, Paul says that he bows his knees before the Father, which is the completely appropriate response to God's glory. And then he speaks of every family being named by God. And there's this word play that he's doing there with the Greek words, the Greek word pater in verse 14 and and petria in verse 15. So the, the pater, God the Father, is the source of every... Petria, every, every human person, every human family. In other words, God the Father is not just the Father of God the Son. He is also our Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus leads us to pray in Matthew 6, our Father in Heaven. When we come before God, we are coming before not just Jesus' Father, as the Son of God, we are coming before our Father in heaven. Jesus proclaims that in Matthew 6, and Paul does here as well, through what he says in verses 14 and 15. God is our Father. And then second, the glory of God, which we are able to recognize some of the glory of God, but we also have to realize it's just a sliver, right? It's just a sliver of God's full glory. God is the one who is able to do, as as Paul says, far more abundantly than all we ask or think. God's power, God's glory knows no bounds. But even though we can't grasp all of it, even though we can't grasp the fullness of God's glory, we still ought to worship him for what we can grasp, for the glory that we can see, that it has been revealed to us. And so that glory ought to be given to God throughout all generations, forever and ever, as Paul writes there. And so what I want us to do this morning as as we start, as we think about praying, I want to provide opportunity for us to proclaim God's glory to one another. And so I encourage you to think of a way in which you've seen God's glory on display, Think of how you've seen God's glory on display, and then the encouragement is to proclaim that in our midst this morning in a a brief sentence or two. And so we're going to have, it'll be kind of like when we have the mission moment on the first Sundays of the month. We're actually going to have an usher in each aisle to kind of, it won't make one person run all over the, the room this morning, but we'll have an usher in each aisle with a, with a microphone if you'd like to share how you've seen God's glory on display. Just get their attention. They'll bring you the microphone. And then what we'll do 
um, each time after someone proclaims how they've seen God's glory, I will lead us to all respond together by saying glory to God. So we'll say that collectively each time after after someone does that. So I figured I'll go first this morning. I'm springing this on everyone, so I'll I'll get us started. Uh, I, I can proclaim that I've I've seen God's glory on display as He has accomplished His purposes through me, even amidst my failures and my shortcomings. I, I feel like the older I get, the more I recognize my failures. And it's a humbling thing, but I see God glorifying himself even in the midst of those things. And it, it's just awesome, and I think that's one of the ways God proclaims his glory. So, in response to that, we'll say together, glory to God. So, would you say it with me? Glory to God. So, now it's your turn. Someone like to get a microphone from the usher. How have you seen God's glory on display? And I know sometimes for the mission moment, we'll move on if nobody shares anything. I'm waiting this morning. <laughs> we're we're going to have some. I know we've seen God's glory. All right, Ken down here. Ross, Ken down here. I'm not going to stand if that's all right. Um, most of you know this has been an ordeal. Um, and uh, I have seen God work through this, through um, prayerful uh, church family, ministerial visits, visits from folks in the church, friends, and that sort of thing. But I've also seen it through the, uh, through the gift of a, how do I describe Jane? Believable. She's been the rock throughout all this. It's been incredibly hard on her. You guys to pray for her as much as me. And uh, I see God in her. That's all. Ken, so together we proclaim... Glory to God. Who else? Got Dave down front here. Um, well, I'd like to just... Should be up, I think, all the way at the top. Push it all the way up. Well, I just wanted to um, say I've been really blessed with, um, well, my church family, of course, but uh, also with my own, watching my uh, children grow up, and we've been able to have, um, you know, conversations that really matter in their lives, um, sharing about what's happening in the world. Um, it's been a blessing with um, uh, the youth group. Um, because they also stimulate those thoughts and conversations that we wouldn't necessarily have um, as a family. And so I've been really blessed um, watching each of them grow 
and uh, Elijah's watching um, <laughs> online. Uh, he's down at Eastern right now, so um, just just want to say thank you for thank the Lord for the blessings of family. And so, yeah. We proclaim together, glory to God. Many of you have maybe, uh, heard me express the, uh, the testimony that I've had at the time. That it didn't feel I was worth much, and I didn't have the ability that I thought other people had. And I recall the time when I just on my knees had to say, you know, like, Father, I don't know if you've got anything to do in life, but I'm yours. You're going to have to do it. And if that there wasn't much change. But I look back on that forth, God put in front of me. And he loved things that I didn't feel like I had submit for. Thanks for sharing that, Ivan. Together we proclaim glory to God. Um, as you know, my mom is not doing very well. That's where I was last week. She was in the hospital. And she just so, she's 93, um, going to be 94 this, this month. And she just so wants to be with the Lord already. And so um, physically, it seems like she's as healthy as a horse, but mentally, she's really spiraling down. And uh, the verse came to my mind of how the suffering on this earth this time will seem short once we get to glory. And mom is not there yet to glory, but, she, um, but she's going to view this time, and me probably too, as a time that is short when I compare it to, and when mom compares it to, the glory she's going to receive and see. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what the next few months are going to hold, but um, we know God's glory is at the end. Together we proclaim glory to God. Thanks, Jalen. I was just going to say this side's winning, and we kind of need to, so there we go. Um, so for those of you who don't know, my mom's mom passed away last week, um, Ella June. And, you know, grandparents, it's hard because it's something you hear about so often, like grandparents being not, well, my grandma was in the hospital time after time, open heart surgery, surgery on her arteries, like a lot of very invasive procedures and she always made it through it. So you get so used to the prayers and you get so used to it working out the way that is comfortable, comfortable for you. Um, and so before um, that happened, I had a conversation with my mom and I was telling her, I sometimes struggle to hear God talking to me. I 
you know, I didn't know if that was part of my personal spiritual journey or what, what it was, but she said, sometimes you have to feel a nudge. Sometimes it's not a full, full-on sentence, sometimes it's not a full-on mission, but a nudge. Um, so it was Christmas Eve that my mom got the call that my grandma had appendicitis and was in the hospital for it. And again, we get these calls all the time, but um, my mom was going to pack her bag and leave and drive through the night, and I felt a nudge. And I said, I don't want her to go by herself, because usually she does. She makes that trek down to Kentucky very often. Um, so I packed my bag, and I drove with her down to Kentucky. And it was about 8 in the morning. We got a call. We were at a gas station. We got a call that my grandma passed. And thank God I was there with my mom, because we haven't really experienced a loss that, like that close to our family in a while. Um, and I was incredibly grateful that I got to be there with her and give her company. And about five minutes after we got the call, she locked the keys in the car at the gas station. <laughs> so, um, but that was also a God moment, too, because we were standing in the gas station. We were in, like, this hallway with, like, a flickering light, like, dirty, you know, gas station floors. And we're kind of waiting. We're like, oh, what do we do? We're both, like, bawling our eyes out. And it's definitely a scene. Um, but the first person that walks in the gas station doors, again, this is five minutes after we got this call, he looks at us. He's like, did you lock your keys in your car? And we're like... Yeah we, yeah, we did. <laughs> and he's like, I know the police officer on duty. This is like Brownsburg, Indiana. Like, I don't know where that is. Um, the officer on duty, and he was over there within five minutes. And in that five minutes when we were waiting, um, this gentleman, he was going down and having, like, coffee with friends. And I talked to him, and I said, thank you so much. Like, uh, we just found out that my grandma passed away, and, like, just recently. So this is kind of a God moment for us. And he, he, he told us that um, his mom had passed away the week before, and so that whole ordeal, you know, was obviously a God moment in itself. But through this entire week um, with our family coming together and stuff, I really felt that God used it to bring us all a lot closer. There is bonding and mourning, um, something that we hadn't really dealt with together before. And it opens up, obviously, a very vulnerable side of each other. And I felt such a connection to every single individual family member of mine that I haven't really gotten, you know, maybe people you don't see often who I, I just feel so much closer to now and it was like a whole family reunion which is like that's another good thing that you can make out of that whole situation um so I'm I'm very thankful for it my grandma she was so ready she had a box packed for a while of like the dress she wanted to wear at the funeral and songs she wanted to be sung and we got to sing songs for her and it was just the best you can make out of that whole experience. And I feel closer to God because of it. I feel closer to my family. And that's just kind of the glory in something that obviously isn't an easy thing to go through, but really making the most of it. So I really appreciate that all. God clearly at work. And together we proclaim glory to God. I have the worship team start coming up, but we'll do another person or two. So, so, uh, this isn't the final cutoff, but uh, Ross is bringing it up. Here we go. I've seen God. Well, that's loud. Sorry. I've seen God's glory uh, in the attitudes and actions of my wife towards our kids, just in the way that um, she prays with them daily and. Um, little um, notes in their lunch boxes and just the loving kindness that she shows, shows them and also the 
patience that she uh, displays with them when they are, you know, being less than what God maybe would have them be, and also in the way that she deals with me as a husband when I am being less than what God maybe would have me be as a husband and father, so. A bit of a theme there that we've heard, God working through people in our lives, and because of that we proclaim, glory to God. Maybe one more person? Got it? All right. Yeah, we're uh, so blessed to have uh, our two kids. Uh, Our oldest one, he's teaching Sunday school at a church, the Summit. And then uh, our daughter and son-in-law are worship leaders at another church, and they're, uh, he's a youth pastor, and talk about being blessed all the way around, and two great, two grandkids, and we can't be uh, more happier. And then the way my wife, past years, she's had so many surgeries, and if you don't believe in prayer works, it does, and you could feel it. And she's one strong wife. Thank you. Together we proclaim glory to God. We're going to continue proclaiming God's glory now, but we're going to do it through song together. So would you stand and we'll, we'll do that now.
seated. Well, we begin by proclaiming God's glory, and the next prayer prompt focuses on proclaiming our reliance upon God. And, and again, we see it in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus prayed, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the, the desire to see God's kingdom come and, and God's will be done comes from an understanding that God's ways are best. And, and because he has the power to bring about his purposes, we ought to place our trust and, and place our reliance in him. 
And for this, I want to look at Psalm chapter 33. And just listen to how the psalmist speaks about this. It's, it's page 463 in the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow there. Psalm 33, starting in verse 13, says, The Lord looks down from heaven, and he sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our, our all-knowing God sees everything, and, and he, he observes not just our deeds, but, but our hearts as well. There's not one detail of God's creation of which he is unaware. And, and if you look other places in Psalm 33, um, verses 6 and 7 proclaim that God has powerfully made the heavens and the earth. Uh, verses 10 and 11 speak of his great counsel standing firm and, and, and frustrating the, the plans of the nations and the peoples. I know I can be tempted to think that I best know how my life ought to unfold, that I am most qualified to determine my steps, and maybe you feel that way at, at times as well, but, but the truth is I don't have anywhere near the power or the perspective of God. I am definitely not the most qualified one to determine my steps. I'm just not. Makes me think about, have you ever, have you ever been in uh, a corn maze without any kind of map? Not seeing a picture of it before you walk in or anything like that. I mean, walking around a, a field of corn eight feet or so high without guidance can be a kind of very, a very disorienting kind of experience. Wouldn't it be much better to, to have an overhead picture of, you know, a map of the, the maze so that you could see the big picture and be able to find your way through. Or even better yet, having someone looking down at you from above, guiding your every step as you walk through it. I mean, the psalmist proclaims, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees the children of man. He's, he sees me. He sees you. When, we are, when we're navigating the twists and turns of life, we might think we know what we need. You know, according to Psalm 33, a great army, physical strength, mighty war horse, those, those are the phrases used there. Or, or in our context, we may look toward more influence or, or more money or more control or more health. Those are the things I need as I, as I go through this life. But the, as the psalm rightly declares, we are not saved. We are, we, are, we are not delivered, rescued, given salvation by any of those things. What we need is to remember that the eye of the Lord is upon us. We need to rely upon him. He will supply what is needed as we trust in him. So as we pray in response to this passage, our reliance upon 
God. We're going to have our time of pastoral prayer. And so Jacob's going to come, he's going to pray for us, and, and on our behalf, he's going to proclaim our reliance upon God. And then as he prays, the worship team will come back up as well, and we'll do, we'll do two more songs together. And kids, we're going to take offering during the second song. So uh, in between the songs, Ross will come forward and pray, and then kids, after Ross prays and we take the offering, you guys are dismissed to go to Children's Church. So pray for us, Jacob. Why don't you, if you're able, why don't you go ahead and stand with me and we'll, we'll pray. Lord, I, I thank you that, that you have made us in your image, that you have made us to show you in our existence and in our following of you we demonstrate that and i thank you for that i thank you for the reliance that you've placed on us to rely on you above all else lord above anything that this world has we know that we rely on you for our daily bread we rely on you to exist lord and and thank you and just the challenges that you've placed just thinking of our context here at EBC, Lord, you have supplied everything we needed. You've allowed us to see our need for you in so many ways in 2023 and before. And I know in, in the coming year, you will show that as well. Lord, I praise you that the, the false hopes become cloudy when we focus on you that we put our hope and our trust in you. Um, it's not in the country we're in. It's, it's not in the global stability. It's in the stability of you, Lord. And I praise you for that. I praise you for our reliance on it. And I thank you for just the people that you've called here to make up Eureka Bible Church and those here, Lord, that you've called to serve you. And I pray that you would go before us leading us into uh, 2024, and we just praise you, Lord, for you are worthy of it. Amen.
please bow with me for offering a prayer. Lord God, thank you for being our salvation. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Uh, Lord, as we take offering, bless the hands that give and the hands that receive. In your name, amen. to give a thank you to all of you and everybody doing stuff this morning that has to keep up with this crazy idea that uh, that we're acting out so well we've proclaimed God's glory we've proclaimed our reliance upon God and in our, our third prayer prompt for this morning focuses on our requests to God 
This flows, again, flowing from the part of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We are right to present requests to God. If he is the, if he's the glorious God and if our reliance is upon him, then, then he is the first place where we ought to go with our requests. And I don't know about you, but, but if I'm left to my own wants and desires, then the requests which I make to God are, are going to tend to be in line with what I think is best, what I feel is best. What I really need, and, and what I imagine we all need, is for God to guide me in what I request of him. And so for this reason, I want to read Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 1. In this passage, Paul is he's praying for the believers in the church at Ephesus, and, and as he does so, he, he makes multiple requests on their behalf. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, this is what we read. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all ruler and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So there's a lot in there. There's a lot of requests that Paul makes on behalf of the church in Ephesus there. And so we've got it in list form. So if you'd put that up there, Jake. The, this is, this is, these are the things that Paul prayed for, the spirit of wisdom. For the believers in the church there. The spirit of revelation. The eyes of their hearts enlightened. To know the hope to which God has called them. To know the riches of God's glorious inheritance that the saints possessed. To know the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us. Now when you think about the church in that context, in the city of Ephesus... Within Ephesus was the, the world-famous temple of the false goddess Artemis. And many other temples pertaining to other pagan cults have been located in Ephesus as well. The city was very wealthy. It contained all the, all the typical sinful expressions that, that often come with wealth. And yet, when Paul prayed for the church, the church in that context... Paul focused on these things. Those are the requests that he made on their behalf. Paul prayed in that way. He requested those things because he, he knew what they truly needed. These, these are their true needs. And, and likewise, this is a list of the things we truly need as well. It's not just the church in Ephesus. It's us also. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying the specific requests that we 
bring to God. I'm not, I'm not saying that we ought to cease making specific requests based on our own specific circumstances or context. But Paul's words in Ephesians 1, I think, bring us back to the things that we always need. And any specific requests that we make based on what's going on in our lives ought to be done with, a, with agreement to those things, flowing out of these things that Paul writes here. When, uh, when I look at any situation in my own life and assume that I know what I need, I need to be reminded that my true needs are to, you know, these things here, to receive the spirit of wisdom, to, to have the eyes of my heart enlightened, to know the hope to which God has called me. Those, those are the things that I, I really need. And making requests of God in this manner will, will keep me praying for, will keep me desiring God's will to be accomplished above my own. And so here's how we're going to pray in light of this passage. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to have you gather with people near you, just kind of split into small groups right where you are. And, and the size of the group, the, really the only limit is you need to be able to hear the person praying without them yelling and talking really loudly. So, so uh, however that can be accomplished, whatever size group is fine. But, but what we'll do is we'll leave this list on the screen. I don't know if it's still up there or not, but we'll, we'll have that list on the screen. And, and <clears throat> whether it's one person or multiple people uh, in your group, Make requests of God according to that list. Allow that list to guide your praying as a group, okay? And so, so you know, you, you think about uh, the year ahead, you know, the journey before us through the year 2024. This list is a great place to start as we make requests to God for what we need for the year ahead and even beyond that. So, so you go ahead and break off in groups. Again, whether it's one person praying or you have multiple people do it, that's fine. This list will be up here. We'll have some music playing in the background, uh, just for some background music, and then I'll bring us back together after a few minutes.
God, we come to you, we ask that you give us spirit of wisdom, we ask that you give us spirit of revelation, that you would show yourself to us. Pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our heart. Pray that you that we would know the hope that you've called us to. God, we pray that we would know the riches of the inheritance that were given in you. We pray that we would know the immeasurable power, the great the greatness of your power at work in us. God, we make these requests of you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you need to find your seat again, go for it. Our next prayer prompt focuses on our readiness to go out into the world. It comes from Jesus' words, Matthew 6, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our our calling as followers of Jesus is not to shelter in place and and wait out the, the destruction of this world. Jesus has always sent his disciples out into the world, especially for the purpose of proclaiming his love, shining the light of the gospel to those who need it. Now, we know the evil one is at work. We know that, that uh, temptation abounds, but we are sent out by Jesus to make disciples. And the passage that we'll focus on is, is a famous one, Matthew 28. This is the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse, starting in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the world into which we are sent is one that's not always receptive to us, not always receptive to our God. The evil one fights against us, fights against God, and and yet we proclaim our readiness to go into the world by remembering that, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He, he sends us out in his name with his authority. And so we don't need to depart into the world like ones who are sent to their defeat. Rather, we, we should go out like ones who are already victorious. We go out in the power of Jesus. And so as we, as we look around at, at, at the world, as we look at people around us, we ought to see people who are in need of Jesus, whether they themselves realize it or not. Making disciples, baptizing believers, teaching people about God and his commands is, is, is what we're to be about. Uh, that's the commissioning that we've been given. And so that work that Jesus began in his life, he passed it on to his disciples. And the work the disciples continued has been passed on to every generation of, Christ, of Christians right on until now, until us. Right up to the present day, all the way to our context here, this commissioning has been passed on, one generation to the next. And it's not just the command that has been passed down, but it's the promise that Jesus makes as well. Even though we're 2,000 years removed from this first commissioning, Jesus' promise in verse 20 remains. He is with us just as he was with his disciples when they took the gospel message across the known world. 
He is with us the same today. And so as, as, we, as we hear this commissioning from Jesus, the one that's been passed down from the disciples all the way to us, let's acknowledge his command to us and his presence with us and carry out this calling. You and I are all blessed to be followers of Jesus in part because someone ran their leg of the race prior to us. Someone carried out this commission in our lives. So may we run our leg of the race as well. May we carry on what others have carried on before us in obedience to Jesus. And so what we're going to, well, before we pray in in response to our commissioning by Jesus, we're going to join together in a short responsive reading, one that directs our hearts in this way. And so, Jake, if you can put it up on the screen, I'm going to read the the normal font, I guess, and you will all join in reading the bold. And then at the very end, there's a, a unison part for all of us to read together. So I'll do the normal part, you, you do the bold. So, Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now as we move into a a time of prayer, I'm going to ask us that we each pray silently before God. And and as we do that, let's focus on on two things primarily. Pray that, that God would increase your readiness to go out into the world on this mission. And then also pray for those in your life who aren't yet disciples of Jesus. Pray for those to whom you and I are sent. So focus on those two things as you pray silently before God. Again, we'll have some music playing in the background. Let's do that now, and then I'll bring us back together.
God, would you make us ready? Would you make us ready to send us out? Enlarge in our hearts. Give us boldness. Give us courage. God, give us your words. We want to see many come to know you, put their faith in you, and not just know about you, but experience your love firsthand. God, would you do that through us? Amen. We're going to end our time this morning right back where we began, proclaiming God's glory. Just as it's proper to begin our praying by proclaiming God's glory, it's proper to end it that way as well. And we're going to look to Isaiah chapter 25 to guide us. This, this chapter is one in which uh, it, it looks back to God's judgment upon evil nations in, in past history. And it also powerfully, powerfully looks forward to, to, uh, to what God, God's ultimate and final judgment upon the earth. Upon, upon evil in the earth. Uh, and, and so we're going to read the first nine verses of Isaiah chapter 25. It says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace in a, is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you, for you've been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat, for the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against the wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken." It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So that prophecy looks forward to the time when God's salvation will be seen across the whole world. Evil and sin and death will, will finally be swallowed up forever. And the only thing which will remain is God's salvation. And so, while we proclaim the glory of our God, who will accomplish this, and while we look forward to that day that is surely coming, we also recognize that it, it has been and is being carried out even now. You can see that especially in our individual lives as well. We are glad and rejoice in the salvation that has been given to us in Christ. We worship God for removing the veil that, that kept us from seeing and knowing him. We feast now on what God provides for us. That's especially symbolized through communion when we take that together. And then, especially this morning, we, we give glory to God for putting to death our old self 
and raising us to life as new creations in him. And it's that reality that we celebrate and recognize through baptism. And so it's our privilege this morning to be able to witness and proclaim God's glorious work in the life of Josie Scutt. We're going to exalt God, we're going to praise his name together as we witness her baptism. So I think they're all getting ready. Drew's going to come help me and we're going to move the pulpit here so that it's not in anybody's way. Um, it's always a, a pleasure to um, take part in this uh, ordinance that we have as a church. And <clears throat> we've been sharing a little bit this morning about things that we're very thankful for and how God's revealed himself. And there's a lot of ways he's done that in life of myself and my family. But one of the ways is he's done that uh, in my, you know, six and a half years serving here at ABC is just seeing uh, parents um, and their discipling of, of their, their children and also uh, seeing students being changed and their, the, the Holy Spirit guiding them towards a relationship and and taking this step in baptism, and so it's a, it's a great joy today, you know, it's, it's always a joy for me to be able to baptize students and former students, um, you know, but Josie has been a student that has been a great leader in our ministry, and it's been somebody that our family's been very close to, so this is very special for us today, so Josie could come, and, <clears throat> and so one of the things we ask people to do is, is to share their testimony, and is a, uh, so Josie's going to share her testimony this morning as a, how God has revealed himself to her. Hello, my name is Josie Scott. Um, a verse that has been on my mind and heart recently about baptism is 1 Peter 3.21. And this water symbolizes baptism. That now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This verse has been my focus verse leading up to this baptism because it's not the water that saves me, but Christ. I have always thanked God and I have been to be, that I have been raised in a Christian household. Well, at the same time, I would also wonder what a drastically different walk would have been like. This led to the sin I struggled with, and that was the sin of doubt. Am I really saved? So let me start my testimony. I grew up in a Christian household and attended church every Sunday, as well as Wednesday night as a kid, as, as well as night, Wednesday night kid in youth groups. I accepted Christ into my heart around age four during the week of VBS. I obviously didn't know what that fully meant at age four, but I continued to attend church and grew in my faith. Around age 11, I knew what it meant to follow Jesus completely, and I continued to, but that doesn't mean that my life is perfect. I have struggles. Something that has been a habitual sin for me is doubting the security of my faith. I doubt so easily whether that's doubting some other's love for me or not trusting my parents that they know what's best for me, which has led me to become very strong-willed. Now there are some ways that this has been to my benefit, but mostly, but mostly not. A verse that helps me with this sin is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. To have faith, I have to have confidence in what I believe and assurance about what I do not see. This is just one of the, the sins I have struggled with over the years while becoming a stronger Christian. Another sin I have struggled with is lust. This, is, this one is one I have been scared to open up about because it is, it is a sin that is personal and quote-unquote does, doesn't impact others, but it does. It made me easily angered and upset about the littlest things. Our world so regularly endorses lust in many forms and temptation to fil fulfill these desires. Many points in my walk I have struggled with the lustful thoughts or actions. Only by the will of God have I grown closer to him and been able to overcome this sin. 
One last sin I confess is that's easy for me to fall into is the sin of academic validation. I've always succeeded academically, but these past two years have been very hard for me. I got two grades that were lower than I anticipated, and my academic, my academic validation self could not, could not handle it. I cried multiple times to my mom about how it wasn't fair. Both of these taught me that my grades truly don't matter to God, and God is so much greater than a grade on a test. With each temptation I face, whether doubt, lust, or academic validation, I am able to focus more on Jesus. I am proud to say that I know that I am truly saved because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. He is my savior and I want to continue to live my life for him. A verse I want to finish my testimony with is a verse I memorized in quizzing and that is stuck with me, which is 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. Though you do not see him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you, are belie- you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you for letting me share my testimony with you. Shows you just a couple of questions before the baptism. Um, you just mentioned it, but do you, do you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life? Yes, I do. Will you, are you professing to the, uh, to the church today that you will be held accountable and, and be mentored and be loved by them and encouraged by them yes. in your faith? Because of your uh, profession of faith today, Josie, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Being raised from death to life spiritually. Amen. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a little bit of a bittersweet moment for us today with, with Josie's baptism as she's actually leaving on Saturday to go off to college in Missouri. And so... Uh, we wanted to make sure to be able to get this in before she, she left. But well, this is a nice way to send her off as she heads off to school. And so if you could be praying for her um, as she heads to Missouri to go to school and um, that she will make Christ her, continue to have Christ as her first love and to live that out in her faith. And so let's pray for her as the worship team comes. Lord, I, I'm just thankful for the opportunity this morning to be a part of this. Uh, Lord, I've seen Josie grow in her faith over the years, and I'm just thankful that, uh, that you have allowed her today to take the step forward of faith and and to uh, publicly profess her faith to the church. And so, Lord, I just thank you for her willingness to do that. And, Lord, I pray that you will guide her. Lord, it can be hard as she moves away from family, as she is away from her church family, as she goes to a different place, a secular world. Lord, I just pray that you will help her to uh, stay grounded in her faith, find a good church that she can tend while she's there, and help her to live out her faith. Lord, I, I desire for Josie to keep you as her first love, and I pray that she will continue and, and strive to do that. And Lord, I just pray that you will continue to guide her in her life, uh, help us as a church to encourage her, even when she's away, when she comes back to visit, as we encourage her, hold her accountable, and love her in the gospel. And so, Lord, just thank you for bringing uh, Josie's life from death to life spiritually, and we thank you so much that she was able to profess that here today. Be with her as she goes to school this, this week, and be with her in her life. We pray this in your great and gracious name. Amen.
something this morning, and I want to close with one more, just a commissioning as we look toward the year ahead. So would you pray with me? God, we come to you. 2024 is in front of us, and we don't know what it will bring. We can't control it, but we know you are God, and you are sovereign, mighty, and good, and loving, and our hope is in you. And so, God, as we depart from this place and go toward not just the week in front of us, but the year in front of us, God, would you be filling us more and more with yourself? Would you be molding us more and more into your image? And would you daily remind us to walk in step with you and to have our hope in you? God, whatever it is that awaits us, we know you are there. You are with us. You will be every step of the way. And we thank you for that. God, I thank you that we get to walk through this year with you and with each other. I look forward to what you have for us. I look forward to the things that you will do. I look forward to the lives that you will impact. I look forward to the ways that you will reveal yourself to us more and more. And for that, we praise you together. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning to pray. May we continue that through the year. You are dismissed.